Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle which takes you through life's journey. And our mentors, well, they might provide that roadmap for your journey. On most Thursdays, I am blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Each month, either Dr. Alan Fox or Chuck Reese has agreed to be on the uh, broadcast, and uh, we've been blessed to have them for I don't know how long. On the other uh, Thursdays that we'll be broadcasting, you might find uh, people like uh, Dr. Bryce Young or uh, Linda LeClaire, Ashley Hobson, Scott Williams, Nick Saviano. We've also been blessed to hear people like uh, Ed Crass and Johnny Angel. Uh, Many high school and college coaches have been on the uh, broadcast. Uh, sharing their knowledge with us, and we've also been blessed to uh, have uh, executive directors of organizations like uh, Florida High School Athletic Coaches Association, uh, Jim March from Florida Tennis Magazine has been on, and uh, we've also been blessed to have uh, PTR uh, executive uh, directors uh, and USPTA uh, executive directors on the broadcast. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen any time you choose to this broadcast or any of the other broadcasts. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our network and if you're not following we coach tennis on facebook well you're missing out on some useful information and because i do believe dr king when he said our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter each thursday i will add my personal views on north american tennis and Naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. Who knows, together we may wake up that sleeping giant called high school tennis. Besides our weekly conversation, the almighty willing, I will also be continuing to to write for Florida Tennis Magazine, and you'll be able to continue reading my articles. Uh, and as I previously expressed, if you disagree, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. Who knows? You may read your views in the Florida Tennis uh, Magazine article, or you may hear them on one of the future uh, Coach Denise Exploring Tennis Blessings broadcasts. By the way, if somebody has uh, taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop, you can also see the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. Or in between issues, you can find Jim Marks and my articles, as well as other information on Facebook at FL Tennis. That's Facebook at capital F, capital L, uh, tennis. So uh, we look forward to hearing your uh, views. Like I stated before, uh, if you disagree with me or if you uh, want to expand on the topic that uh, we've been talking about, by all means, uh, contact me. I do think uh, we have a... um, the exciting broadcast today. If you're hearing noises in the background, that's because I do this podcast uh, from the uh, Florida room uh, at 
my home, and uh, while it's normally beautiful looking at the pool patio and uh, the pool and hot tub and the surrounding uh, palm trees around there, the wind is blowing today, and uh, it's, uh, it's beautiful to have the heat with us. Uh, it's warmed up in Florida, uh, but uh, we are getting some massive, massive uh, wind today, so I apologize for that. As you know, um, this here series of uh, broadcasts has started uh, after uh, an article I posted on January 2nd uh, asking uh, our other sports better than uh, tennis uh, emulation. Uh, we uh, seem to be losing a lot of American uh, tennis. Uh, we started the broadcast with uh, Chuck Reese and expressing his views on what we could do with bringing American uh, tennis uh, back. Uh, all of you, I'm sure, uh, are familiar by now that uh, college players are now able to sell uh, uh, themselves as professionals and um, get paid for uh uh, their uh, pictures and clothing and everything. Uh, we followed uh, that up with uh, uh, Coach Bobby uh, Bayless, and we uh, reviewed his outstanding uh, uh, book, The uh, Cross-Court Reflections, and he gave us a history through college uh, tennis and uh, his experiences, which was uh, very enjoyable. And uh, then uh, we went uh, and uh, talked with Ashley Hobson, who uh, has coached uh, in 60 uh, different countries and uh, Davis Cup and uh, uh, Fed Cup and uh, expressed his views on uh, college uh, tennis and also about what some of the needs of in uh, tennis today. Uh, he also covered something that I personally uh, uh, liked. I liked it when he shared it a few years ago with the uh, Florida high school tennis coaches, and uh, that's his imprinted program that he runs at uh, Ashley this summer during his camps. Uh, he will take young coaches, and they'll be able to uh, stay on campus there. Uh, they won't get paid, but uh, they'll be able to go through the experience of learning. And I think we, what I enjoy uh, about this broadcast so much is that while well, all these people are young, younger than me, I consider them mentors of me. I've looked for uh, all of them uh, for help in the past. Uh, I love the fact that they're always willing to share, and I see that I have today's mentor, Alan Fox, and like I said, uh, every uh, month you will either hear, hear him or uh, Coach Chuck Greasy on. Uh, we've been blessed that they are willing to share that time with us, and today we're going back to college tennis, uh, and wherever uh, Alan wants to take us besides that because he has a view of that uh, uh, college tennis, uh, we should allow our pros in, too. So I, I'm sure we're going to have a very interesting conversation, and when we're through with this, I'm supposed to put all this together and solve problems of American tennis for a two-piece article in Florida Tennis Magazine. And to be truthful with you, I probably would either have I have more questions than answers, so Jim Marks is probably happy to give me uh, three uh, three sections, uh, three articles to accomplish this, or else uh, I'll be apologizing to you because, quite frankly, I have more questions than I do uh, answers. Alan, are you there? I'm here. I'm here, John. Ready, ready to rock oh, and roll. For big- whatever that means. You, what was that, Alan? I missed that. No, no, I'm just ready, ready to, ready to go. So, oh, well, good, uh, you, you, good. Well, I, I think it's being we're on, uh, 
you know, maybe I'm wrong. I just always felt that the tennis journey to bring American athletes back uh, to leading the world again, and maybe we won't. It'll never happen again, or maybe we will. But it should be going through high schools and colleges. And uh, uh, it seems that though we have, we don't have a lot of agreements with so far with. Uh, uh, the mentors I've been blessed to uh, talk with, but there there, there is one agreement that uh, it doesn't look like the talent is going to be going through colleges no more like it used to in America. So I'd like to hear your view on that, and then I'd like to get into your view on uh, about pros or whatever you'd like to get into first. But we'll we'll get it all in. All right. Well, let's let's discuss rules. Uh, for a few moments, uh, uh-huh. and and uh, in in general, I would think rules are are created and set up uh, for some purpose to to solve some problem or to make something better, uh, and 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 that makes a lot of sense. But uh, the the rule the the rules about professionals in college tennis doesn't make any sense to me. And so I just wanted to uh, discuss why, why I don't think it does make sense. And, and that is, I can understand the schools setting up rules where they don't are not allowed to pay athletes. That makes a lot of sense from the school standpoint, because the schools don't want to get into a bidding war and have to pay for what they could get for nothing. So if they all get together and, and, and agree not to pay the athletes, uh, that makes sense. I mean, not, it's not so great for the athletes, but it's very good for the schools, and the schools are making the rules. So I understand them making rules that are helpful to them. But the rule on professionalism, uh, if the athlete isn't getting paid by the school, but rather is making money on the tour, I don't see how that... Uh, has anything to do with the schools. I mean, what do they care if an athlete uh, goes and turns professional on the tour and then wants to come back and play on, on a school tennis team? Why does the school care? How, how does that hurt the school? I mean, to me, it only helps the school. So mm-hmm. I don't understand why the schools would set up rules that actually hurt them uh, rather than help them. Uh, and I'll give you some for instance. For instance, uh, if, if uh, Pete Sampras decided that he wanted to go to school and play on a college tennis team, why would that be bad for college tennis or the school? As long as Sampras isn't asking the school to pay him, uh, so he made money playing tennis. So what? Uh, and and uh, I can tell you where I think these rules came from, uh, and 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 they they may have made sense to some people at one time, but they certainly don't now. And, and that is, uh, the old English tradition uh, was to was to draw a distinction between the amateur, you know, the uh, and and the working professional. They they sort of looked down on the working professional. And thought sport should be something that the gentleman played, uh, and the gentleman being the not not the working stiff type. Uh, and and our colleges uh, in you know Harvard and Yale and all the Ivies back in the day, you know I don't know what a hundred years ago when they were uh, setting up these things, they kept the the British rules which was to have a distinction between pro and amateur. Uh, it, it never made any sense to me, and it, it, it doesn't make any sense now. And, and I think, ultimately, it's going to go away. I mean, it, it used to be in the Olympics that, that the athletes could not be professionals. They couldn't have taken money uh, for performing their sport. Well, the Olympics wised up. <laughs> what do they care? You know, so pros can play in the Olympics because it didn't make it really make any sense. The rule, it was a silly rule in the first place. Uh, And it's a silly rule in, in 
college tennis now. I mean, I, I, I would love to. When I was coaching Pepperdine, which I did for 18 years, if, if, if John McEnroe wanted to come back and get his degree and play college tennis, I would have been awfully happy about that. I mean, <laughs> So I, I, I don't see, I mean, it would only enhance the crowds in college tennis. Uh, and uh, I can give you some examples of how it hurts people, this rule. Uh, okay. I mean, to me, it would be helpful to be able to get uh, uh, Pete Sampras uh, in college and playing for my team. I'd like that. Uh, but but what, what has happened many a time uh, is that, uh, there is a lure to the pro circuit uh, for maybe the best uh, young players. I mean, you're 18 and you're, you know, the best 18-year-old in the United States or somewhere. It, it, it was tempting uh, to go on the tour. Uh, that's, the, the, there was the word that, that you would improve more on the tour. And college tennis, you know, might be, uh, the end of your pro dreams, which isn't true at all, of course. But but some of these kids were lured into pro tennis. They go out there. They might. I mean, I'm talking about a couple of of uh, U.S. Uh, junior champions who won Kalamazoo in the 18s, and they went out on the pro tour. Uh, they were tempted by the management companies, who tell them, well you know, you should go pro and sign with us. Uh, and they want to get them early. But anyway, so they, they managed to reach 300 or so in the world uh, at their peak after a few years, and, and nothing good was happening. And, and now they want, would like to go to college and, and play tennis and, and prepare themselves to do something other than be a tennis pro, and, and they couldn't. They couldn't get a scholarship. They had to, like, pay their own way. Uh, and, and I think it's a shame. I mean, uh, uh, one example would be, say, Scoville Jenkins, who maybe some of you guys know. Uh, I, I worked with him when he was, uh, work, when he was on the pro tour. Uh, and he, he was good, but not that good. Uh, and so... He eventually quit. He couldn't get a college scholarship, of course, anymore. He didn't make any money playing college, playing pro, but enough so that he was declared pro. And so he, he, can't, he can't play on a college team. So he had to go and, and, and work his way through college all by himself, which is very, very admirable, which most, most of the kids don't do that. Uh, you know, they end up, you know, as teaching pros or something, but without an education. Uh, and so I think, I think the uh, educational opportunities are very good for these people. I don't see why uh, colleges wouldn't want to give these people scholarships. They're extraordinary people. Uh, but because of these rules, you know, if a guy wants to go to college, he has to do it all by himself after he's on the tour. So, I don't get it. Uh, I, I see no purpose uh, that's positive for the school, and I see a lot of purposes that are negative for the for the players. So that rule needs to go, and and I think it will someday. Again, I'm not I'm not saying that the schools ought to pay these guys, but if the guy wants to go play a co on a college team uh, and, and 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 get a scholarship, and if the coach wants him, he'd be some good for the team. Like Scoville would have been a great college player. He'd be one of the best. And, and, and he's a quality person. Why wouldn't they want to give him a scholarship and have him play on a team? So that's, that's my pitch. Well, I could see <laughs> I the value of what you're talking about. I could see what some of the rule changes that just recently came out and you know, paying an assistant coach or having a student uh, uh, on your team as a coach and in, in, in Division One, them specifying how that is, that seems like that would be another advantage for those Division One teams to be able to have 
uh, a player like the young man you coach, and uh, he'd be of help to the other team too. So it's uh, I think we have to keep our mind open about uh, about those things, and maybe. Even I, I, the more I think about it, and I, I don't know. Maybe it, it should go even beyond that. I mean, today we sit there. You can get your expenses paid. Uh, why don't we just raise the amount of money you can get before you go pro to make a decision? And the other question that I think you could would know more than anybody, uh, uh, better than me is that uh, the people that are going and looking for colleges helping them uh, and the pros, is that as helpful today as it was with the pros having less time that they could spend with the uh, players? Uh, uh, Like uh, Ashley Hobson points out, you're practicing with the same people, the limitations and how many uh, matches you could have. Uh, is there? Do you feel today uh, uh, that uh, college tennis is still relevant in producing uh, pro players? Absolutely. I think okay. uh, a, a lot of players uh, develop later. They don't develop. Uh, they, they they may want to be pro someday. Maybe that's their goal. Uh, mm-hmm. And college tennis is a a great training ground for them. I mean, an example would be Brad Gilbert, who played for me at Pepperdine. I mean, Brad was a pretty good junior, not a great junior. Uh, he 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 got a college scholarship. And, well, actually, I I shouldn't go into that. He had had some problems in his first school, but ultimately he went to junior college for a couple of years, uh, and and and. And uh, then came to Pepperdine. Uh, he he was not ready as a as an eighteen year old to go on the tour. So he he needed to mature and play tennis somewhere. And, and so, I mean, he got to the finals when he was at Pepperdine. Got to the finals of the NCAA's. He went out on the tour, and in the first year he didn't do much. Second year he gradually worked his way up. He was out there for quite a while before he really became a, a money-earning pro. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people mature at different, uh, at different speeds. And college, w- you know, going out on the tour when you're not that good is really a rough assignment. I mean, you, you, you play uh, futures tournaments. You don't make – you have to support yourself. You don't make much money. Uh, practice is tough. You don't have, you don't have trainers and so forth like you have as a college player. Uh, so it, it's much better for most people to go to college. And even if you were ready for the tour, it doesn't hurt you to go to college. It's good for you. Uh, and McEnroe can testify to that. I mean, he had already reached the semifinals at Wimbledon <laughs> at 18, and he went to college the next year anyway. Uh, and he says it. It was a great experience. It didn't hurt him. I, I don't. I don't see. But but uh, just to switch gears for a second, on on the argument I made as to why there should be no distinction between pro and amateur as far as the school is concerned, as long as they don't have to pay them. What's the counter argument? In other words, why do they have the rule that a, that that a pro can't play college tennis? You can't go out on the tour and then come back and play college tennis. What, what, what's the argument in favor of such a rule? I haven't heard it yet, tell you the truth. It seems like a lot of our rules, and there's a lot of hypocrisy, but uh, not just what the college, but even in the pro level, with what rules. I mean, what rules about coaching, there's pros and cons, and there's good arguments well, both those, those ways. Well, those make sense. There's actually some sense to those rules. I understand. I mean, they may be wrong-headed, but I can I, I can see the argument. I mean, some players don't have coaches, or don't uh, or can't afford them, uh, and so they're disadvantaged with the other guy being uh, coached and having his coach there. So I could see why they would have some rule against it. Uh, 
that makes sense. I, I just don't see any rule, uh, I mean, any uh, argument that makes any sense as to why a guy that's been a pro for a while shouldn't be able to go back to college and play college tennis. I mean, I don't see how it helps anybody, including the college. So the, the, those are the kinds of rules that I don't like, that make no sense at all. Just they're historical, and maybe the elements that made the rule reasonable 100 years ago were okay, although I don't think they were even then on this rule. But lots of times they make rules for uh, situations that no longer exist, you know, Things have changed, and, and the rule then makes no sense. Well, they ought to get rid of it then. Uh, right. But, of course, well, that's human the, beings, they don't – sorry, go on. No, I think that's what we have to examine. I mean, for instance, is the amateurist rule, uh, the idea is that college was for amateurs. And maybe college of, of eventually be that tennis and other sports will be recreational activities more – uh, than competitive uh, activities, but it's no longer the pros, like you pointed out before, the pros, the Olympics, there is no more amateurs in the, uh, in the Olympics. The same thing with the uh, drug use and everything, the, uh, improving the, the body, the separation between an amateur and uh, a, uh, uh, a pro. Uh, what's the difference between uh, a businessman that wants to go out there and uh, read one of your books and get better uh, at their job uh, than an athlete who is getting older and now decides to take the challenge of taking, uh, uh, I don't even know what they call the things today, but so they can still compete. Is it fun? Uh, and we have the rules against gambling, but yeah, gambling is in almost every state in the union. Uh, they sponsor pro baseball. It's one of their sponsors. It's one of the ITF sponsors. The chair's assignment today is to get that score recorded immediately. So, I mean, are we being hypocritical? Do we need to examine all these rules? And I think that might be the point. We, and the only way we can do that is to have open discussions like we're having now, and that's hard to do in today's society. Yeah, I, you know, just to go one step further, I don't think they should. the words amateur and professional should be thrown out. I don't, I don't see what the purpose of having a distinction between whether the person made money in his sport or he didn't or she didn't. Why, why would they even have uh, a distinction between an amateur? I mean, why are those words even uh, uh, relevant in sport? I don't see why they're relevant. I mean, it, it should be how good you are. If you're good enough to go on the pro tour and it's reasonable for you to do that, fine, go. If you're not, go to college. Or if you want to go to co whatever reasons. I mean, uh, example. I mean, who's who's a great big singer, Shakira or somebody? Uh, if she wanted to go to to a college, let's say Shakira wanted to go to college and and major in theater arts, okay? And they have uh, college productions where they, you know, UCLA used to have big uh, productions from the theater art department. Uh, if Shakira wanted to sing in one of those, uh, in one of their musical uh, uh, presentations. W w w why would that be any different? She took money for singing, but of course she'd be allowed to sing. They would, they'd be happy to have her. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it just doesn't. It, it, it makes no sense. Uh, now, the the you brought up the gambling. Well, I can understand rules against gambling because potentially uh, athletes could throw matches or throw games if gamblers are involved. I mean, you sort of, that's happened plenty in the past, and so it's a danger. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, rules against gambling, okay, I get it. Uh, but, but, but this one I don't get. Uh, anyway, uh, I think we've, I've beaten it to death.
but but I, I would love to hear a counter argument as to why the, these rules should be in place. You know, well, I it, brought up each. I brought up each uh, week uh, during my uh, broadcast that, uh, you know, who the uh, mentors were going to be and uh, the points they were going to bring up. And then bringing up what you're going to be discussing this uh, subject, I didn't have anybody come up and say they were against it. So I haven't heard anything yet either about it. But it's a hard – I remember three or four years ago, I discussed it. I brought it up at the uh, Florida High School Tennis Coaches Association, uh, the Florida Athletic Coaches Association workshop for tennis coaches, and uh, I brought it up as it should be a subject that we should discuss uh, as far as amateur or pro. And uh, it was just overwhelming. Oh, no, let's not get into that discussion. There's no need to discuss that. So... Needless to say, I didn't push the subject because it's, uh, you know, the training is supposed to be what they want and everything. But there's some subjects that's just hard to get a discussion with. And today, you know, you've got high school kids and, you know, I know, you know, I have grandsons that in high school and they're being recruited for college and they got managers that were, or not managers, uh, management recruit yeah. them to go pro and everything. Uh, you know, these it's part of what's going on today. Yeah, the kid doesn't the kid doesn't know enough to make a no really good long lasting decision. I mean, the kid's eighteen, he's the best player in the country for his age. Everyone thinks he's great and, and the management companies are recruiting him. I mean, he wouldn't know whether he should go pro or he shouldn't. He hasn't had enough experience. And so but but I have seen a number of players hurt by this rule, so I don't like it. I mean, I've seen guys go pro and then want to come back to college, and they weren't that good, and, and, and they weren't allowed to. So I, I, I've seen it uh, hurt people uh, personally, and so that's why I don't like it. <laughs> Uh, and I don't. Well, I agree with you. Everybody doesn't have a pain in the ass grandfather like me. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, wh- why does he have to decide anyway? You know, at 18, whether he's going to be a pro. And and there's there's no. It's like like there's no bad. There's no going back. You know, if you right. do it, that's right. It's over for you. You know, I, I I don't see why he have to should have to make that that decision. No. So and the other uh, thing, even on the college level, I I didn't like the fact that uh, you know my grandsons were pushed in their junior year in in uh, high school to have to make a decision what scholarship that they were accepting. Why couldn't they wait until their senior year? You know, so uh-huh. I mean that's what I'm saying. There's changes. In college today, um, most of the people that we've talked with don't agree that you can get the training in college when you were coaching Pepperdine or Chuck Reese was coaching Clemson or Bobby Bellis was coaching uh, uh, Notre Dame. And a lot of it is because of the rules that the amount of practice you're able to have you know, there's there's so much limitations, and uh, and I think repetition is still important today. I mean, we expect kids to do homework. Why? Because we want to get that subject matter taught to them again. If you're going to be a tennis player, you better be out there practicing and competing continuously. And when we're taking that away, like in college. Are we able to produce the pro players? I don't know. I'm uh, asking you. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't. Uh, I believe that college is just fine for for people's games in general, uh, and, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you a, a couple of reasons. Number one, okay. college is very easy compared to high school. Right. <laughs> uh, now, the reason I say that is because in general, to graduate in four years. You need to take 15 units. Uh, now, it's different with uh, 
uh, trimester things. But essentially, like you can graduate in most places in four years, and 15 units is what we had to take. And now, 15 units, that's 15 hours of class time, approximately, in college. That's three hours a day. That's nothing. <laughs> I mean, college is very easy if, if you stay up with it. What, what tends to happen where people get in trouble in college is it's so easy. It's three hours a day. So you've got, it's not like high school where you're in class, in class from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon. Yeah. It, it's, it's half of that. So you've got plenty of time to practice. I mean, if, if the rules don't allow, I don't like that rule particularly of uh, limitation of practices on the team, but if the, if the, if the uh, rules don't allow you to practice as much as you wish, there's nothing stops you. You're in a school with a bunch of other players that are about like you. And so you've got a, a half a dozen people to, to go out and practice with. You've got three hours of class. Why not spend, you know, three hours in the afternoon playing tennis if you wish, or four hours, or five hours, for that matter? There's plenty of time, and you can do if, – if a college student spends an hour uh, studying and doing homework for every hour he or she is in class, it, they'll do fine, okay? It, it, it isn't tough. I mean, the reason – people find it tough is they have so much time on their hands that they end up playing ping pong at the soror at the fraternity house or socializing or this or that and they don't do their homework and it all adds up and it it it, it, it if, if you don't do it day by day it gets to be a problem you know then you got to cram and it's difficult but it, you know college is relatively easy if you if you're self-disciplined at all, uh, and and as another just little tidbit, uh, college is easier than high school in terms of you know just the physical studying and going to class and all that. And college is easier than that, and and grad school is easier than undergrad. It's even easier. <laughs> There's even less restriction on your time. You can diddle around in grad school, take a couple of classes and do some reading and some research. It's easier. even. <laughs> so it, well, it, to it's your kind point, of backwards. Yeah. Well, to your point, I agree. Bobby and I were, took someone to dinner about a month ago and uh, she, and I won't mention the sport or anything, but she's in another sport, not tennis. And she's in a, a northern city with a coach and trying to find out how she enjoyed school. She enjoys the school. Uh, and she says it was easier than she thought. So you're happy there. And you know me, I have more questions than answers. So I'm asking her, so you love it there. She said, well, not really. So I said, well, what's wrong? And she said, well, the sport she's in, the coach doesn't do, know what her high school coach knew. She doesn't get pressured like her high school coach pressured them. Um, everybody seems to be lackadaisical. And I said, so you're thinking about leaving? She said, no, the coach is retiring after the year. So I'm praying that we have a coach that's going to push us. So when you talk about things being easier, but yeah, on the other end of that, you got to look at, and I know she's doing things because I know she's working out with some of the boys and everything, but, you know, imagine the peer pressure on a freshman at a big university and everybody else is in the dorms doing those things and, you know, she's never around or he's never around. So I hear what you're saying, but I think that the colleges have responsibility and, uh, you know, and I just, I'm just, you know, I'm not sure our educational system is working uh, as good as it should. Well, of course it isn't. You're quite right. Uh, it, it, it should be reviewed for usefulness, what they do. I mean, I, you know, not only, well, uh, let's leave out the, the three hours, but, but there are a lot mm -hmm. of classes and, the, and things you have to do to get your degree that are uh, not valuable. 
that are a waste of time. Uh, in grad school, for instance, at UCLA, I was in grad school in psychology, and we had to have two. Uh, we had to have a reading knowledge of two foreign languages in order to get uh, to get your degree. So uh, it took. Now I, I they changed the rule at the end. Uh, luckily, when I was there, they, they they allowed you to do one foreign language, and uh, if you did, uh, I think it was nine units of uh, upper division physics or math, which UCLA likes that stuff because it sounds like it's real science. Uh, <laughs> so so that was, but it used to be two languages, and then it just went to one, and so I had to do. Uh, uh, I had to study German, okay, which was a sort of a scientific language. I don't know why I picked German. I should have picked Spanish. But anyway, I picked German, uh, and I took, you know, uh, several years of German as an undergrad. But what I had to do to pass my language, for example, they gave me a book. Uh, I, I was a physiological psychologist, so they gave me a book on the brain in German. It was neurology in German. It was like 300 pages long. And and the, the, to, to pass your language exam, uh, you, you had to have a reading knowledge of that whole book. And, and what they did is there were two parts of the test. The first part was you had to, they would give you like two pages of the book and you had to translate it uh, with, you were allowed three errors. Okay. To pass that part of it, max. If you had four errors, then you had to go back. You you failed. Uh, and then the second part of it was that they gave you a couple pages of scientific writing in German, and you you were allowed a dictionary. And the first one you were not allowed a dictionary. And the second one you were allowed, you know, a dictionary. Uh, but you again only could do. Uh, you could only have I think three errors. If you failed either part of it, uh, it, then you had to. They gave you a new book, and you had to go. You had to uh, start over. And so, uh, uh, let me say, uh, the, what I had to do with that first book is I had to write out 300 pages, longhand. We didn't have computers then, so I had to translate mm-hmm. that whole book and and write it out. Okay, and then I had to basically memorize it. I was not. Now, I couldn't make any mis- uh, very many mistakes. German's quite a tricky language, by the way, you know, where the, all the verbs collect at the end of a sentence. It, it, it gets complex if you don't know what they're talking about to start with. But anyway, uh, that, that whole process took me the better part. Uh, it was like half of my studies for a year to pass that German. And it was a lot of pressure because it, – I, I had memorized the book part, and so I passed that right away. And then I was working on the other part, and I was in a panic, looking up every word so I wouldn't make mistakes. Because if I failed that part, they were going to give me another 300-page book, and I was going to have to redo it. It was going to take another year. I mean, people dropped out of grad school just because of the languages, because you go through it a time or so. Yeah. It, but it, but it made no sense in the first place. I mean, none of it was useful whatsoever. And it, their 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 argument was that that it, it, you need to be able to go to the journals in German and and read it, which right. no one ever did. You'd only read the English translation anyway. You know, so so the whole thing was like, there's a lot of that in the education system. Just useless things that are carryovers from the past uh, for whatever reasons they had then that make no sense now. And so rules are very difficult to change. You know, the way that the human mind works, it, 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 it gets into a rut it, and, and it's sort of whatever it's, it's been doing, it tends to want to keep doing. Uh, and so it, it, it can't, quite get out of the rut like most people they go well he's a pro he's not an amateur that's a rut that was created I don't know 100 years ago out of England but but 
nobody says it doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> you know why? Because it's always been that way. That's why it's that way. That, that, that's the only reason for it. And 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 that was the reason for language exams in grad school at UCLA was because it's always been that way. That's your argument. You know that's how the why the drug laws aren't thrown out immediately. I mean, there's no the, the these drug laws that fill the prisons with. People that are involved in drugs in one way or another. I mean, you would have thought, you know, they can't stop it. The best they could do is educate and rehabilitate, but stop it? No, they're not stopping it with the drug laws. But but they're entrenched mentally with the fact that drugs are an illegal thing. Uh, I mean, they tried it with alcohol, which was, you know, equally bad. All right, right. they tried it and failed. Prohibition right. didn't work. They couldn't stop it. There was rampant crime, <laughs> and, and gangs were killing each other over territories and so forth, so they gave up. Yeah, of course, because the people wanted the stuff, and so they, 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 couldn't, uh, they couldn't enforce the drug laws, I mean the uh, uh, prohibition, the alcohol laws. And it's exactly the same with drugs, and, and even that isn't even having been through prohibition isn't enough to get people's head away from the fact that drugs are illegal. You know, of course they're bad for you, you know, of course. But, but the, the, the drug laws aren't fixing anything. <laughs> you no. know? So uh, there, but that's sort of typical of rules and laws and so forth where people are used to thinking about things in one way and, and they have great difficulty, you know, throwing it out based on, you know, new information. They, they, they tend to discard it. So. And I think if we try to reinforce them in different ways too, that don't make sense. I mean, we have, you know, in the Olympics, we're not going to allow Russia to compete in the Olympics because they're not enforcing their drug rules uh, well enough. Uh, and baseball uh, will keep uh, the, the best hitters and pitchers out of baseball because later in their career they use the drug that enhanced the way they are. So we're not going to allow them into the Hall of Fame when yeah, you know, common sense would say, well, this person has had uh, this many home runs and this one had 500 more. Why isn't this person in or pitch better? Uh, and and we, we just, just uh, we use these tactics that just, rather than sit there and say, let's re-examine this. For some reason, we have a hard time re-examining things. Yeah, by the way, John, uh, I'm not saying that all drugs, uh, well, uh, they can be legalized. Uh, I, I think the rules against using, you know, I want to draw a distinction between performance-enhancing drugs, steroids, uh, and recreational drugs. I, I, I think athletes shouldn't be allowed to take uh, performance-enhancing drugs. I think those laws make a lot of sense. Those rules make a lot of sense because. Well, you know, at one time, doctor, at one time I agreed with you a hundred percent, and especially coming from law enforcement, which that was what I did because I didn't look good in the uniform. So, you know, I worked undercover and drugs and detective bureau, and uh, we were part of ESPN's training. We were one of the first high schools in Florida. And we had a policy that you could be tested any time. Then I went to the three-day workshop on the enhancement and found out that this drug can't, doesn't mean that uh, you definitely have that, has to be reexamined. And this food can cause the same reaction as that drug can cause. And in this country, do you know there's people that if you're from certain countries, they don't have to take the test because the food they eat can go to. When I went through that three days, I walked out there. 
I went in there telling my athletic director, I'm the, I don't need to go there. I'm, you know, if you're taking drugs, you don't shouldn't be in sport. I left there three days later, truthfully, with a different opinion. So that's why I said I'm guilty of not wanting to re-examine things too. But I think we should openly discuss everything. And not that this is the way the rule is, and if you don't do it this way, we're going to keep you out of here. We're going to prohibit you from doing here. Uh, you know, we need rules. I come from a law enforcement background, and, you know, I did that for a living for a lot of years before, well, I won't say before I got in coaching because I was coaching then because, like I said, I didn't look good in the uniform. But it's uh, – I. I, my opinions aren't always the same as I thought they would, and I many times I said I know what the answer is, and I'm not changing my mind. And you would well, you know, change my mind on things. Well, uh, let me see if I can change it. I mean, uh, with steroids, for instance, yes, uh, steroids can uh, help you uh, build muscle mass in a hurry and so forth. They'll help your performance, but they hurt your health. They're bad for you. And so the reason I think they should be banned uh, and seriously banned is because it gives some people who are willing to ruin their health uh, an advantage in the sport. And it it, it tempts or almost forces other players uh, or bicycle riders or whatever, it forces them uh, to do it or they're going to lose. And so that, that, makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I don't think the uh, federal government has to make them illegal. I think the uh, the people that run the sports should definitely have rules against it. And if they take steroids, I think they should be kicked out. And I don't think their, their records should stand because they had an advantage over their, uh, over their compatriots. So, uh, their compatriots may not have been willing to ruin their health in order to, you know, hit a few extra home runs. Uh, I, so there, you know, you're, you're, you're talking not a level playing field. Uh, I'm distinguishing between the government, uh, declare, you know, passing laws and making things illegal. I'm distinguishing between them and the uh, authorities that run sports. That's a different story to me. One's a rule. The other's a law. Uh, and well, I, I partially agree. I partially agree with you. I think for juniors, I agree a hundred percent because I don't think juniors are capable of rationalizing making those decisions. I do have a problem that somebody is twenty-three or twenty-four years old, or, or thirty years old, and they don't want to give up their career. I think they'll. Maybe we have to examine any medical problems they have later on. They're responsible for it. There is no insurance. To, you know, we're not paying you for uh, because you, your concussions damage your brain in football, and now you uh, the steroids in and, and now you want uh, uh, us to pay for your hospitalization. That's why I say I think there's other ways that we should examine and explore, and I do believe. Through education, we can do a better job than intimidation. And uh, and truthfully, uh, you know, I I was one of those people that was intimidating at one times. But uh, I, and maybe that is the answer. I don't know. But I I just you know I think the hypocrisy and rules is a, is something I'm struggling with. Well, uh, I, I'm with you there, actually. I think once a rule is made, it gets embedded and hard to change, even when it makes no more sense. So that's, it is a problem. And, and of course, we can talk about it uh, till the cows come home. But, you know, changing it's another story. You know, we could, we could all agree and still not be able to get these people to change, you know, a rule that makes no sense or a law that doesn't either, for that matter. True. Well, I think the great thing and what I enjoy about you and the rest of the mentors is we can have those great 
discussions. I know recently someone said, yeah, but yeah, but everybody on that whole group agree the same way. I said, no, I beg your pardon. We don't all agree on every. We respect each other. We respect their opinion. I probably agree on the majority of things, but uh, we don't agree on everything. But we can talk to each other about it. And this is what I think organizations and, you know, we have people, for instance, some people said, well, you know, politics don't belong in sports. Well, if you have sports organizations, it's politics. So the Greeks that explains that in the definition of politics. So it belongs everywhere. The problem is we have to openly discuss it and not sit there and blame each other or yell at each other and scream each other. So I haven't given up on the idea that some of our ideas will come across and will change it because you know, you'll have you'll do a better job than I will because you're going to explain it so much better. Uh, I don't know about that, but. Yes, we have an example of us not agreeing right here and now, today. Right. Uh, I don't like you anymore because of it, but still. (laughs) There's times I haven't liked myself, so I can even live with that. I'm kidding, John, as you well know. I know that. I know that. Well, Well, listen, let me ask you one question because we just about shot an hour What's going on recently now with you? I I, I know you're still working with uh, uh, helping some of the people. Are they younger people, older people? Uh, where is most of your work coming from today? Ninety percent younger people, and and mm-hmm. most of those are uh, at the academies, uh, and and the the. Normal problem is stress. They, they, they want to do well so badly that they get stressed uh, about the outcome, which they can't totally control no matter what they do. Uh, I have great respect for the kids that I work with and, and the adults uh, because they're the winners of the world. You know, people, they will choke or get stressed. That's because they're so driven. And they want to do well so badly. And so uh, whatever they do later in life, they'll be very good at. So I really I love working with these with these people because they're the drivers. They're they're the ones that make everything happen. And so uh, but that that's it. And, And the book that I've written on the topic is called Tennis Winning the Mental Match. Uh that book that you mentioned in the write-up, if I'm the better player, why can't I win? Uh, I don't consider that uh, terribly valuable. Uh, oh, God. It, 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 it's it's good enough. One of my favorite books. Oh, well, thank you, John. It was, well, yeah. it was written it's 40 point, years ago. Point. We want them to buy, we want them to buy the, the better book, that's for sure. But let me just... Uh, Say we've run out of time. I need to let the people know next week we're not having a broadcast. I have my grandsons coming into Florida with their the, the Northern College baseball teams are heading down to Florida and then they go out to Texas and up to Carolinas and work their way back up north with hoping it'll get warmer. And uh, having two of them in college, they come down here at different times and. Uh, Bobby and I are going to spend a lot of time on the road, but on the 20th, um, Dr. Uh, Bryce Young and Linda LeClaire, the energy coach, will be on our broadcast. Uh, and, of course, uh, Dr. Uh, Fox will be back with us in April, and next month we'll have uh, Chuck Reese on. But uh, please uh, tell your friends, and uh, I, unfortunately, I'm missing the PTR this year, too, just because uh, I promised that we'd be spending more time with our grandchildren and enjoying them and uh, PTR. But I'm sure Bryce and uh, Linda will explain what their master program is. Uh, 
uh, in Hilton Head uh, that I'll be missing. And it's, uh, I do, when I get up there, I always make sure I attend their master uh, class program because, you know, I just enjoy it. I, I'm still trying to do things, trying to do more things that I enjoy. Dr. Fox, thank you for being on again. I appreciate all you do. Well, you're very kind, John. And uh, please excuse me for being argumentative. Uh, <laughs> and before I forget, too, before I forget, Jim Marks told me, uh, Florida Tennis Magazine, told me to tell you how much he enjoys your stuff. And don't forget when you're writing something to send it to him because he'd like to have it in Florida Tennis Magazine, too. So you got to share to, to the East Coast, too. Well, that's very nice of him. Uh, and, and thank you, John, for having me on. I, I okay, you it. have a blessed week now. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Okay.